Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts today. Open our eyes and ears and hearts that we might be receptive to what you download into our spirits on today. May the words of my mouth and meditations of my heart be pleasing and acceptable unto you. Hide me behind Calvary's cross that someone would see Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. It is good to be here with you this morning for this Lenten series. I thank God um, for the privilege to come back. Uh, lightning doesn't always strike twice. Uh, so I've been here before and I'm glad to be able to come back. Thank you, Scott, for the invitation to share uh, this word, this message this morning. And I want to jump right into uh, this gospel according to Luke this morning as we think about uh, being change agents here in Memphis. I want to look at the gospel according to Luke chapter 4, beginning with verses 14 through 30, and I'll be reading from the message version. So if it sounds a little strange, just trust me. It's still the Bible. The message version of Luke chapter 4, verses 14 through 30. Jesus returned to Galilee, powerful in the spirit. News that he was back spread through the countryside. He taught in their meeting places to everyone's acclaim and pleasure. He came to Nazareth where he had been reared. And as he always did on the Sabbath, he went to the meeting place. And when he stood up to read, <clears throat> he was handed the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. And unrolling the scroll, he found the place where it is written, God's spirit is on me. He's chosen me to preach the message of good news to the poor, sent me to announce pardon to prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, <clears throat> to set the burden and battered free, to announce this is God's year to act. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the assistant and sat down, and every eye in the place was on him intent. Then he started in. You've just heard scripture make history. It came true just now in this place. <clears throat> what I'd like to talk to you about today is the question of what is your issue? What's your issue? Last year, for 40 days, the partners of MICA, Memphis Interfaith Coalition for Action and Hope, had relationship ambassadors who did over 3,000 one-on-ones. We went to all of our constituents of our congregations and synagogues and mosques and organizations, and we asked them what was their self-interest? What were they concerned about in their churches, in their congregations, in their communities? We wanted to know their self-interest or their issues, and some of the things that our members of New Direction were concerned about in their church was getting to know each other better. We want to know who the people are that sit around us every Sunday. We believe that people need connections to grow spiritually. And in my book, 3D Relationships, I teach that the only way we can really grow as disciples of Christ is to do life together in connect groups. People don't need friendly churches. They need friends. You need at least three people that you can do life with. Jesus had 12 disciples, but he had three close disciples, Peter, James, and John. Who are your Peter, James, and John? We all need someone to do life with. And they also said that they wanted more opportunities to serve the community. New Direction has been known as a church that serves the community, whether it's adopting Winridge Elementary students to raise literacy scores and to cut the pipeline to prison by making sure poor black kids don't get caught up in the system of not being able to read. Because if you don't learn how to read in second grade, you'll never be able to read to learn 
and there's a 39% chance that those kids will wind up in the juvenile court system because they don't know how to read. We've shut down nuisance nightclubs. They were backed by drug dealers, and an 18-year-old boy was shot 500 yards from our church and paralyzed, and we made sure that nightclub got shut down. Our people want to serve the community more. And as it related to their community, they said the following things that they were concerned about in Hickory Hill. Blight, education, unemployment, crime. And on June 24th of last year, 50 organizations came together under MICA to come together for an issues convention to talk about what all of our 50 partner organizations were concerned about. And we determined after 3,000 one-on-ones all across Memphis and a diplomatic process that there were three issues we would focus on as it relates to equity in Memphis, economics, education, and intercultural equity. In the church, many people think church people shouldn't have any issues <clears throat> or self-interest as it relates to justice. Shouldn't we just be, be concerned about the sweet by and by? Shouldn't we just be concerned about singing hymns and making sure we have good worship services? Why be concerned with justice? And then those on the outside of the church look at the church and say, the church doesn't care about what's going on, on, the, on in the world. It's irrelevant. It doesn't care about justice. And many evangelicals have falsely separated social justice from the gospel. In the last year or so, the Christian rapper known as Lecrae has had to loosen his ties with white evangel evangelicalism. After he spoke out against the Michael Brown shooting and supporting Black Lives Matter, many of his white evangelical Christian fans stopped following him for standing up for social justice. Lecrae was wounded and hurt and even entered into a season of depression. And he says this, he says, if I turn my back on white evangelicalism, who am I if we disagree on black lives and social justice and I'm not getting pats on the back from leading pastors and churches, then who am I now? For years that had been what was shaping my identity, if I'm not the evangelical darling or evangelical mascot, who is Lecrae? What if they get upset? What if they don't like me? It took blood on the ground for me to say, I don't care what you think. People are dying. Through a season of depression and questioning, Lecrae was forging a new identity, not all new, but new, he says, I can be true to my cultural roots and still embrace my faith, which has been colonized and stripped away and made to be very Western and Eurocentric. No, 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 you can't have it that. He says, Jesus is not American. He's not, he's not exclusively ours. He belongs to the world. He says, I spoke out repeatedly in 2016 in many different ways, and it affected me. I went from a show that may have had 3,000 people to 300. Those 300 loved Lecrae, the black man, the Christian, not the caricature that had been drawn up. This is not Lecrae placating a white audience. I don't feel any sense of prioritizing white evangelicalism, says Lecrae. I just told my wife this morning, he said, I'm really free. I don't feel I have to be the rapping pastor. I'm just a man who loves Jesus, who creates music, and hopefully impacts people. Do we have the freedom to be Christian and care about the issues that affect all people? Yes, we do. Jesus did. The Bible says that Jesus returned from the wilderness full of the Spirit. Can I tell y'all something? Don't be surprised when the Holy Spirit leads you into the wilderness for preparation. Some of y'all don't, don't, don't know 
didn't know you had issues until God allowed you to experience the wilderness. The reason people of privilege cannot identify with the issues of poor, oppressed people is because you haven't been in the wilderness. You don't know what it's like to be hungry and live in a food desert. You don't know what it's like to not make enough money to put on your table. You don't know what it's like to be labeled just because of the color of your skin. You don't know what it's like to live under military occupation or police-controlled neighborhoods. You don't know what it's like not knowing when you will be arrested for not being able to pay your taxes or traffic violations. You don't know what it's like to be targeted by police just because of your skin color. You talked about my son who's 16 who had uh, four wisdom teeth removed, and y'all, he's been trying to learn how to drive. Pray for me. And I think I'm anxious about not just the other people that are going to be on the road with him, but I'm anxious about him. I'm anxious that he might be pulled over just because he's black and be shot because the police feel threatened by his blackness. I'm anxious because he might go on the wrong side of town or on the wrong side of privilege and be carjacked. So I have a dual concern. Not just that somebody who's poor and desperate might rob him or somebody who's in authority might shoot him. This is what it's like to live in the wilderness. Jesus knew what it was like to live with inequity and poverty. Jesus was born to a poor peasant family. His mother was forced to travel to pay taxes in her ninth month of pregnancy. We don't hear from his father after the age of 12, yet now here he is 30 years of age and he's coming out of the wilderness with a renewed understanding of his issues and how they affect his people. And I want to say this to you, what you just came out of is preparing you for what you're getting ready to go into. We are all in a season of wilderness here in America right now. It seems that we've gone 50, 50 years backwards in terms of how we relate to one another, the hatred, the vitrola, the xenophobia, the racism. We are living in a wilderness time, and I believe that this wilderness experience is shaping how we go forward as a nation. Will the best of who we are as Americans rise to the top, or will we continue to be split apart and be perpetually stuck wandering in the wilderness? I believe this wilderness experience is shaping us. Your experience in the wilderness has shaped you. What the devil meant for your evil, God is getting ready to work it out for your good. The wilderness was necessary. I never would have had an infinity for poor people had I not grown up in poverty in rural Kentucky, living in a single wide trailer, raised on a mother who was on welfare until she could farewell. I never would have known what racism was like had I not gone to a majority white school in the rural South in the 80s and been on a segregated school bus. Being broke made me rich. It gave me a sensitivity to people who are still in poverty, so I have a rich empathy for people who are struggling, who are in the wilderness, because I experienced the wilderness? What's your issue? What shaped you? What was your experience with racism, with poverty, with discrimination? Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days, tempted by the devil, and maybe for the next 40 days during Lent, we don't just give up food to lose weight. Maybe for the next 40 days, we just don't pull away from TV shows. Maybe we have wilderness conversations. Maybe we find some people who live in food deserts and see what it feels like to not eat at night. Maybe we go talk to some people who are stuck in poverty and may never get out. Maybe we engage some of these children, the 43% of black children 
who live in poverty in Memphis, Tennessee, Memphis, the second poorest city in the United States, maybe we go have conversations with those folks. Have you had a one-on-one -on -one with people who look different than you do? Have you spent time with people who live in the wilderness of poverty? Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. It is only when we deprive ourselves of privilege that we are able to see kingdom issues. I'm looking at some survivors in here this morning. You're, you were tempted by the devil to take shortcuts to end your struggle, but you stayed the course. I'm looking at some people that were tempted to sell out your people for your own fame and fortune, but you realize what would it profit a man to gain the whole world and mess around and lose his soul. I'm looking at some people who thought about just ending it all and jumping from the highest point, but instead you trusted God to see you through. Now God is sending you back to solve the world's wicked problems. Don't you know that to whom much is given, much is required? We're here not because we're blessed for ourselves. We're here to bless other people. We have survived we have gone through the wilderness you have endured you have overcome not just for yourself but God is sending you out of the wilderness for somebody who needs good news Jesus comes to introduce grace our communities need to be introduced to grace we've done a good job preaching condemnation but we haven't done a good job preaching grace people need to know that God wants good for them we don't have to preach hell because many people are already living there we need to preach a transformative narrative for Memphis, Tennessee, that it doesn't have to be the second poorest city in the nation. It is no longer acceptable that we are the poorest city in the United States. It's no longer acceptable that we are still racially polarized. It's no longer, sell, it's no longer uh, necessary that we remember that this is the city that Dr. King was assassinated. Wouldn't it be great that this is the city where we resurrected his dream? For the last 50 years, this city has been waiting on some good news. With unemployment, with the unemployment rate in Hickory Hill, where I pastor, the unemployment rate is 12%. There are 26% of the people there live in poverty in Hickory Hill. With 40,000 young people between the ages of 18 and 35 unemployed and not in school in our city, they need some good news. That is why we have accepted the position, I've accepted the position of president of MICA, Memphis Interfaith Coalition for Action and Hope, and it's time for us to bring some good news to the people of Memphis, Tennessee. It's time for us to speak up for those that have no voice and no hope. Jesus was asked to read the scripture text and to give the sermon, and the passage he read included Isaiah 61, 1 and 2, and he selected it for his text. The Jewish rabbis interpreted this passage to refer to the Messiah, and the people in the synagogue knew it. And you can imagine how shocked they were when Jesus boldly said that it was written about him and that he had come to usher in the acceptable year of the Lord. The reference here is the year of Jubilee described in Leviticus 25. And every seventh year was a sabbatical year for the nation when the land was allowed to rest. And every 50th year was set apart as a year of Jubilee. The main purpose of this special year was the balancing of the economic system. Slaves were set free and returned to their families. Property that was sold reverted to the original owners and all debts were canceled. The land lay fallow as man and beast rested and rejoiced in the Lord. It's been 50 years since Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated in Memphis, Tennessee, and the time has come for the rebalancing of the economic system in Memphis, Tennessee. The time has come for the profits of slavery to be returned to the poor. The Spirit of the Lord is upon us to preach good news to the poor, that this is the year of Jubilee, that this is the year to act, this is the year of economic redistribution, and I wish I was at home because somebody would have said amen.
we got to give good news to the poor. I think we have abused the word anointed in the church. We always say stuff like, that song was so anointed. That person that preached was so anointed. Oh, he said it today. She said it today. They're so anointed. Anointed for what? We are not anointed to entertain. We're anointed to do something. God does not waste his oil for religious entertainment. God anoints us to change society. God anoints us to transform our communities. Jesus said, God has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. What good news do we have for the poor? With 12% unemployment in Hickory Hill, the good news is, is that we have uh, a beginning, a collaborative with FedEx and some other partners to give 1,500 young people living wage jobs by the year 2020. With the housing shortage in Memphis, we are partnering with Habitat for Humanity to build 50 more affordable homes on 43 acres that we acquired in Hickory Hill and tore down an old eyesore Marina Cove apartments to build some affordable housing and people refugees from Rwanda and people who live in housing projects are now living next door to each other and have the right to own their own homes with the food desert in Hickory Hill we want to partner with the Gestalt Charter Management to build a farmers market at Eden Square located at Mendenhall in Winchester if we are going to bring good news to the poor it's going to take a coalition of partnerships with MICA United Way PCA Habitat FedEx Calvary Episcopal other churches we must work together to make sure that we are all extending a hand to give good news to the poor of our city uh, we've got to give good news to the poor, and he also sent us to announce the pardon to the prisoners. There's a need in our city and our nation for criminal justice reform. There are countless numbers of black and brown people incarcerated for nonviolent drug offenses. People that should have gotten drug treatment got life in prison. People who can't afford to pay traffic violations are instead thrown into jail. Private prison industries are calculating how many black children are born to single mothers who can't read so they can figure out how many more private prisons they can build. And, and since there is a shortage of people going to jail, now we're turning to immigrants and housing children and mothers in those private prisons. Mm. In the meantime, we need to use our anointing to demand criminal justice reform. In the meantime, we need volunteers to help us reboot our prison ministries so that we can visit those who are in prison. In the meantime, we need to stop farming young black people in juvenile centers and preparing them for private prisons, which are nothing more than new plantations. In the meantime, we need more volunteers to read at, at elementary schools and impoverished communities to help cut the pipeline to prison. Thank God for organizations like Just City who are helping people to get their criminal records expunged so they can get back to living the life that Jesus came to give. God has anointed us to give us sight, to give sight to the blind. There are some people who are blind to injustice because they don't have to look at it. But every now and then, Jesus will agitate you so that you can see again. Oh, I got to say it again. I might go on and preach anyway. Watch this. Jesus, once upon a time, ran upon a blind man who couldn't see. And he asked Jesus to heal him. And Jesus reached down into the spit into the, in the dirt and made some mud. And he put it on the man's eyes. Can you imagine that? You ask Jesus to heal you and he spits on you. 
He spit in the mud and he stirred it up and he made a concoction and splattered it on his eyeballs and it agitated the man. Then he had the nerve to tell the man to go wash in the pool of Siloma. Y'all listening to me real quick? He had to agitate him and in his agitation he went to the pool still not being able to see with mud on his eyes but when he got to the water and he washed and he was obedient from the agitation that's when he began to see. Can I help somebody? You're not always going to be able to say stuff that makes people happy. Sometimes Sometimes you're going to have to agitate people and make them uncomfortable because the gospel doesn't just comfort the afflicted. Sometimes the gospel afflicts the comfortable. When Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was in a Birmingham jail, his colleagues were telling him, you're, you're rushing this thing. You're, you're moving too fast. You're, you're disturbing the gentility of the South. We don't do that down here in Birmingham. You should, you're, you're an outsider. And Dr. King says, you must understand that power does not concede anything but power. And the, oppress, the, the oppressor will never release freedom to the oppressed without agitation. And we as Christians, as followers of Christ, must agitate every now and then. Even Jesus agitated the Pharisees and Sadducees and said, y'all look good on the outside, but you're really like whitewashed tombs. You're really cute and decorated on the outside, but on the inside, you're full of dead men's bones. Sometimes Jesus has to agitate you for you to be able to see again. Agitation comes when we speak truth to power and pull back the covers on injustice. God has anointed us to set the oppressed free. That is, God wants us to use our anointing to help people who've been bound by anything that is holding them back from living the life that God has intended for them to live. What is your issue that has had you living less than God's best? What have you seen in Memphis that breaks your heart? Is it the fact that banks have, been, have denied loans to certain communities because they're too black or too poor? Are you concerned with poor people having better transportation to get to work where they can make living wages? Then maybe this is your year to act by joining the economic task force of MICA. Are you concerned about babies being locked up in cages as much as you are concerned about babies being aborted? Are you concerned about police accountability and how poor blacks are handled? Are you concerned about immigrants and how they're treated considering that the only non-immigrants in America are Native Americans? Maybe you should join the Intercultural Equity Task Force and do something this year. Are you concerned that some of our schools are failing our kids and the city is failing to fund some of our schools? Are you concerned about the equitable distribution of resources for all the schools in Shelby County and not just the hand-picked schools are going to make it anyway? Then maybe this is your year to act and join the educational task force. Who or what is holding you back from living your best life now? This is your year to be set free. This is your year to act. Jesus came out of the wilderness and he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has sent me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to set the captives free. He sent me to give sight to the blind. And he sent me to say that this is the year to act. Memphis, this has been 50 years since Dr. King was assassinated. Memphis, this could be the year of Jubilee. This could be the year that we act together, blacks and whites, rich and poor, Republicans and Democrats, evangelicals and Protestants and Catholics and Jews and Muslims come together to do what's necessary to turn the narrative around on our city so that people will want to come to Memphis and not run from Memphis. I believe that God has sent each and every one of us 
us to come out of our own wilderness experience, to come out of our own pain and somehow come together collectively as the people of God because one day, believe it or not, we're all going to be together in one place. I never will forget I went to a prominent church, a large a white evangelical church when I was a youth pastor at Mississippi Boulevard and, and I came and, and she stopped me. She said, you, you come from Mississippi Boulevard. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, that's awesome. I love your choir. I said, well, thank you. She said, I love me some black gospel music. And when I get to heaven, I'm going to come on the black side and listen to your choir. There is no black side in heaven. There is no white side in heaven. There's no Republican side in heaven. There's no Democrat side in heaven. There's just room for people who've been led out of the spirit to give sight to the blind, good news to the poor, set the captives free. And this is the year to act.